0: Welcome to C. diff, spores, and more with your host, Nancy Kerala. We are here to discuss C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and other related healthcare topics. Now, here is your host, Nancy Kerala
1: Hello, this is Scott Battles in lieu of Nancy Kerala today. Welcome to C. diff, spores, and more. Thank you for joining us today. At this time, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Clorox Healthcare. Please visit the Clorox Healthcare website, clorox.com. HealthCare.com to learn more about keeping the environment safer with Clorox Healthcare. We welcome our guest to the show today, Professor Simon Cutting. Hello, Professor Cutting. Thank you for joining us today. Would you like to take a moment and share your background with our global listeners?
2: Yes, thank you for the introduction, Scott, and a pleasure to be here. Um, As you probably know, I'm a professor at the University of London in the United Kingdom, so, it's early evening here now.
1: Yes, sir. Uh, Professor Cutting, what is C. difficile?
2: Yes. Uh, well, okay. Yes. So, C. difficile is a bacterium, which means it's a microscopic organism. You might call it a germ or something, um, which is important to humans because it causes a disease. Um and of course, a potentially fatal disease in the worst case. Um, we live in a world full of bacteria, and the vast majority of bacteria don't affect us. Um, some of them are beneficial to us, directly beneficial to us. And some bacteria, of course, are extremely dangerous. And C. difficile falls into that group um, it's a bacterium which causes disease in humans. Would you like me to elaborate further on the disease? or?
1: Yes, Professor Cutting. Uh, why and how do we get C. difficile?
2: Well, C. difficile is an organism, it's a bacterium which, for actually most of us, we have inside us, in our gut. And this bacterium most of the time is suppressed. That means it doesn't cause any harm. Um, but unfortunately for some people, when they go to the hospital, um, they take antibiotics or they're administered antibiotics. And this disrupts the, the workings of our guts, the way our gut works, um, And what the antibiotic is doing, it's actually killing many, many bacteria in our gut. And this provides an opportunity for C. difficile to expand. It finds it's an opportunity for it where it can now out-compete other bacteria. And when it does this, as part of its life cycle, it starts to produce chemicals. We call them toxins. And these toxins are extremely damaging to the lining of our gut. And there's even evidence these bacteria, Clostridium difficile, can actually enter the tissues of our body in limited numbers. And the combination of being able to, if you like, erode our gut lining and produce toxins... Produces an inflammatory response, and inflammatory responses can vary. But in the case of C. difficile, this becomes a very serious inflammation, and the consequences of that are, you know, colitis, um, gastroenteritis. It's a very, you know, it can be extreme diarrhoea, um, and potentially, if those toxins. Can basically enter our bloodstream this disease can be fatal.
1: So Professor Cunning are there any underlying causes that are associated with this um, other than what you've mentioned?
2: Well yes okay so the you you get C. difficile because you walk into a hospital and you take antibiotics. Of course, many people will say, well, if I take antibiotics at home, why don't I develop C. difficile infection? And that's a very good question. And for the vast majority of people, they won't. You need to go into a hospital. So one of the problems of being in a hospital is there are an awful lot of other people in a hospital, and you can rapidly exchange clostridium difficile Amongst other people, we've all learned that in the last year with COVID, microscopic organisms can transmit extremely easily. And of course, the hospital is really the worst place to be for this because large numbers of people, people, all sorts of illnesses and the bacteria transmit. But this still doesn't answer the question, why do some people get it and some don't? So the answer to the question is, um, we get C. difficile because of our lifestyle. And for many people in the industrialized world, let's call it the developed world, we have a sedentary lifestyle, which means we sit and watch television, and we spend our lives behind a computer or an iPhone or an iPad. And we no longer exercise the way we used to. So we all remember stories when we were young. We would walk an hour to school, but that doesn't happen anymore. Now we drive everywhere or we're collected. Um, we take public transport or we fly or we take our car. We no longer exercise in the way people did, let's say, before World War Two. And, of course, before World War Two, we didn't have C. difficile. So that tells us something about the way we live our lives, The other contributing factor is what we eat, and we know that food today in the industrialized world is delicious, fantastic, but it's also extremely sterile. I think in America, you have something chlorinated chickens, so it means you farm chickens intensively, and when the animal is slaughtered, it's then sprayed with chlorine which kills the bacteria. Now, that's, of course, good if you're in a hospital and you want to eradicate pathogens, but it means, it illustrates that food we eat today is particularly sterile. It's heavily processed. It comes in plastic packaging, and we are no longer exposed to environmental bacteria. Um, so in the old days, we all remember you buy vegetables in a market and you wash the vegetables briefly under water, um, under the tap, the faucet. But people don't do this anymore. The food's already clean and sterile, and that's not good. And over many, many years, some people are no longer receiving that contribution of environmental bacteria. So to illustrate this, if you were to go to India or China or Vietnam today, they don't have any Clostridium difficile infection. I'm generalizing. They've never heard of this disease. Yet everyone takes antibiotics. They take antibiotics like candy. Even you can find C. difficile in the intestines of these people. So it's something unique to the Western world, and I'm afraid to say, particularly the United States, followed by the United Kingdom, and we are the worst culprits. The food is delicious, but we all know that it's not really healthy. You only need to drive across America, and you can go to, well, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention names, but... um, you can have many, should we say, eateries. We all know the companies. Um, they provide delicious food. It satisfies our appetites, but it's not really healthy. And I'm not talking about calories. The food is super clean. I'll give you another example. In the air, an average person breathes in. 11 cubic meters of air a day. And every cubic meter of air contains about 100,000 bacteria. And we need these bacteria. They enter our bodies into our guts. We know that you go pair, the, it's a way in which we acquire bacteria. But we now know that industrialized countries like America, you know, like the United Kingdom, the number of bacteria in the air has dropped by two logs. That means instead of breathing in 100,000 bacteria a day, we're breathing in 10,000 bacteria a day. It's a massive difference. So over a lifetime, populations of people are, are deficient in environmental bacteria, which they acquire either by breathing or by the food they eat. So if you were to eat a bowl of muesli, you're probably eating 10,000 live bacteria every day. But the question is, how many people eat muesli? Most people don't. They have bacon and eggs or heavily processed um, food. So America in particular has a bad record of this. Um, The United Kingdom... We are only a little bit better. Um, We've been able to sort of control our outbreaks of C. difficile by the way in which we manage antibiotics, but it is very much an illusion. We still have the same underlying problem. And what I'm proposing to you, what I'm saying to you, is, is something we refer to as the hygiene hypothesis which is, let them eat dirt. I'm not for a moment saying everyone should go out and eat soil, because what I'm talking about is something that occurs over a lifetime. Since World War II, our lifestyle has advanced exponentially, but we also know that the way we live has changed. and, you know, you'll see people running on the streets every day in their neon, I don't know, lycra outfits, but it's not the exercise that people used to have. So on the one hand, we don't have all the terrible diseases that used to kill people 50, 60 years ago, but we now have another problem, which is the emergence of new diseases. Clostridium difficile is one of them, inflammatory bowel disease irritable bowel disease, irritable bowel syndrome, excuse me, eczema, food intolerance. These were unheard of before World War II. Um, And, of course, one can debate this. There are
1: counter-explanations.
2: But most people, I think, (laughs) generally
1: understand. We'll need to go to break here in a moment. Um, At this time, we're going to pause for a commercial break. We'll return to continue discussing Clostridis difficile with our guest, Professor Simon Cutting. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages.
0: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand-washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. The C.D.I.F. Foundation offers global community support sessions. C.D.I.F. can affect anyone at any age at any location in the world. Receive support from topic experts sharing information on nutrition, mental health, C. difficile prevention, treatments, and environmental safety. Get answers to your questions. You're not alone. Support is just a phone call or mouse click away. To register for a session, call the C-Diff Foundation at 919-201-1512 or visit us on the web at cdifffoundation.org. If you missed the live broadcast of c Spores and More, we invite you to listen at your leisure. In addition to the on-demand show on Voice America Health and Wellness, find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Take us with you worldwide. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at Now back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Corrala.
1: This is Scott Battles in lieu of Nancy today. And just wanted to quickly welcome back to C. diff, spores, and more with our guest, Professor Simon Cutting, joining us today to discuss Clostridiosis difficile also known as C. difficile and CDI. Welcome back to the program, Professor Cutting. Why are the C. difficile rates so high in the USA?
2: We we will actually, this year, we'll be submitting our um, magnum opus, our hypothesis, if you like, um, which is five years of work showing that the underlying cause is almost definitely the Western lifestyle, the industrialized lifestyle. And so America, of course, should be absolutely proud of everything it's done. But, of course, the consequence of this is that the, the environment you live in, the air you breathe, um, is actually contributing um, to the emergence of these new diseases. And C. difficile is just one of them. The precise cause is, as I said earlier, is taking antibiotics. That's what triggers it. So the question is, why does my next-door neighbor, who goes into hospital at the same time, not develop C. difficile, but he takes the same antibiotics? So I would say you can't just generalize and say, well, that's because I do more exercise and I eat healthier food. I think you have to look at this on a sort of a... Uh, almost a random basis, and saying that, with a population of three hundred million people in America, you will have less people now who are able to protect them against this themselves against this particular disease, and it's I would say it 's probably just unfortunate. Um, And I don't think there's necessarily an instant cure for this. This is symptomatic of the way we live our lives. And, you know, I I can illustrate this with one very simple example. Um, When I was young, which is obviously um, I would like to say 10 years ago, but let's say it's more like 40 years ago, um, the biggest problem playing soccer, that's your football, was falling over and coming into contact with dog feces, because in those days, um, people didn't pay attention to where their dogs, you know, did their business. Now, in the United Kingdom, you will not see dog feces anywhere, and that's great. We're all happy, but it illustrates how clean our environment is, and um, You have to also remember, of course, that how is C. difficile being treated? You have something called the fecal microbiome treatments or transplantation. And um, it illustrates that we are no longer exposing ourselves to the environment in the way we used to. And that is what is driving this.
1: Fascinating. So... What can be done to pre- prevent C-diff infections?
2: Um, yeah, that's a good one because as, you know, to, as of today, as you know, or I'm sure your listeners are aware, there is no vaccine, um, and I think that's probably a long way off. There are drugs available, um, and, of course, you can use antibiotics. There's FMT. Um, but to answer your question specifically, what would you do to prevent it? Um, I would say to answer that question precisely, I would probably consider having a much uh, more natural diet, if possible. I would consider um, there are some probiotics which may have some protective effect but under no circumstance should any of your listeners rush out buy probiotics thinking that will prevent them uh, prevent C. difficile infection because I know some companies are claiming this and it is absolutely not true. Um, I know something about probiotics and I do think probably if you spent your life, you know, having live yogurt every day, probably that has some protective benefit, possibly. Um, but I think a healthier lifestyle, um, avoid hamburgers and ask yourself the question, do you really need chlorinated chicken? Is it really necessary? Um, uh But other than that, it's a more natural lifestyle. Um, But I don't think there's any quick fix on this one, unfortunately. Um, It's something we are going to have to live with in the same way we're going to have to live with COVID. You know, um, it's now here. Um, But I think common sense a little bit. And I think it's also, again, of course, this, Chimes well with what's happening with COVID, everyone is now realizing we are changing the world we live in. Um, And, you know, I mentioned earlier about environmental microorganisms, but this is quite amazing. And there are many publications on this, but no one is paying attention. If you were to read deeply, you would, you would learn that 40% of the insects in the world have disappeared. So I'm not talking about one species, one particular type of insect, for example, a mosquito or a um, a honeybee. It's the total population has diminished by 40%. And that illustrates, that teaches you that it's something that we are doing whether it's pollution or it could be the climate change, but we are now changing the world we live in. And I don't want, for a moment, I'm not one of these people out there preaching how people should behave, but we should all be aware that we are irreversibly now changing the world we live in. C. difficile is just one element, and of course it's very important to your listeners, Um, you, you know, in America, and I spent 10 years of my life living in America and it's an absolutely fantastic country and I loved it. Um, and it has the best of everything, but as we know, to have sweetness, you must also have a little bit of bitterness. And unfortunately, the consequence of having a super clean lifestyle, um, possibly, um, we're just maybe a little bit too clean. So on the one hand, you need, you know, you you have to obviously stringently control hospitals, clean them, but it's really the way we live our lives at home which I think is possibly driving this, and we're just not aware of this. You know, we're all told, I remember my mother saying to me, you know, you've, you know, wash your hands, et cetera, et cetera, you know, good manners. We we all understand this, um, but what we're doing is we're depriving ourselves of contact with the environment, and you are now seeing this in the United States, um, unfortunately.
1: Fascinating. I know here in the Midwest of the United States that uh, many of the children of Mennonites and Amish are much healthier for the simple fact they're, they're raised around the farm. And, you know, myself, I've, you know, started taking or utilizing kombucha tea, and I've felt much better. Um, yes. It's, yeah. you know, that information, I think, is uh, certainly... Information that the average person can can well put to use. At this time, we're going to take and pause for a commercial break. We'll return to continue discussing C difficile. and with our guest professor Simon Cutting. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. <music>
0: To help support the c Foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate or call toll free 1-844-4-C-Diff. That's 1-844-367-2343. Join us in our fight against C-Diff and help us continue our mission of educating and advocating for C-Diff infection prevention, treatments and environmental safety worldwide. Through your continued support, we can continue raising C-Diff awareness and help save lives. Donate today. Visit cdifffoundation.org. Thank you. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? Handwashing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Handwashing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on handwashing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. The CDF Foundation offers global community support sessions. C.D.I.F. can affect anyone at any age at any location in the world. Receive support from topic experts sharing information on nutrition, mental health, C. difficile prevention, treatments, and environmental safety. Get answers to your questions. You're not alone. Support is just a phone call or mouse click away. To register for a session, call the CDF Foundation at 919-201-1512 or visit us on the web at cdifffoundation.org. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at Now back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala..:
1: This is Scott Battles in lieu of Nancy today. And just wanted to quickly welcome back to C. diff, spores, and more with our guest, Professor Simon Cutting, joining us today to discuss Clostridiosis difficile also known as C. difficile and CDI. Welcome back to the program, Professor Cutting. Yes. So, you've discussed the vaccines a little bit, and we'd like to, you know, elaborate a little bit more on probiotics um, and, you know, diet with the gut microbiome.
2: Well, yes. Um, So, probiotics, of course, are live bacteria, which if eaten are believed to confer a beneficial effect um, and one has to be very careful with this okay um so they there's no doubt they have a nutritional benefits because they're organic matter which you eat, so they provide nutrition um I have seen many times in America without mentioning names of any companies. There's a plethora of companies selling probiotics, claiming all types of things. So one has to ask the question, is this just too good to be true? Um, and probably um, you could say, if you, as I have said already, that if you were to consume live bacteria every day, I can't see a problem with that. Um, It probably will benefit your health in general. Um, But will it prevent inflammatory bowel disease or irritable bowel syndrome or traveler's diarrhea? I would be very, very suspicious of this. And I say this because I know many of the companies and I know how easy it is to make one think that if you go and buy this, this is a quick fix. What I would say is this. If you were to go and buy a probiotic, you have to be sure, is it actually alive? Because most of these products are dead on arrival. They were were alive when they were put into a capsule, but they subsequently died. And... I can tell you also because I've spent a lot of time with these companies checking what they're doing, and in many cases, it's, it's dubious to say the least. If you go to a pharmacy, CVS or Walgreens, one of these, your local drugstore, and you buy ibuprofen. or let's use aspirin as a better example. If you read, read on the side of the packet of aspirin, it says this will reduce inflammation because it does. No matter what happens, it will reduce inflammation. It doesn't say or it shouldn't say it will prevent a headache because as everyone knows, For a person who has an alcohol headache, aspirin never works. So this is the difference between a drug and basically a non-drug, a product which is being sold as a food. And if you buy a probiotic, you, you need to be educated on this and understand that any claims attached to it are highly suspect. And now there is a growing area of probiotics which are more moving, to, we, we call them medical foods. And this is where companies actually demonstrate in humans a benefit. And you can find some of these companies, um, but you have to be very careful because I've seen advertising where a company will say, we have put this into, into humans. And then one page later, they say there's some potential health benefits. So if you're not careful, you will assume that health benefit has been proven by the company selling the probiotic. This is almost never the case. All it means is they've put the product into humans and they're reporting it. And of course, when you buy a probiotic, you are consuming it. You're actually part of the evidence And if I were to say to someone, take a probiotic, do you feel better? Well, everyone will come up with a different answer. Did you go to bed late last night? Did you drink too much? Did you have an argument last night? Everyone will answer that question differently. So coming back to what I said, yes, there are probiotics, and some of them I know are being developed specifically For C. difficile, and probably um, some of those may be shown to have efficacy. That means evidence that they work. But at this moment in time, I would be very careful. I would say that it is known, for example, that eating or taking glucosamine is potentially inhibitory to C. difficile infection. Um, and I'm actually saying something I'm closely aware of. Glucosamine is used for joints. People use it as, as a, 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 a supplement, which you can buy off the shelf, and you use it for joint pains, bone problems. But scientifically, it's been shown that glucosamine can inhibit C. difficile infection. Um, It's also known that bananas can um, uh, reduce diarrhea. They do this by compacting the feces. That's why traditionally in hospitals, people always brought bananas. I'm talking 50, 60, 70 years ago. And in fact, I believe there are even some products which are basically dried bananas which are ground up. Um but there 's no easy solution to this, not yet. Um, but again, I reiterate um, live probiotics taken on a regular basis possibly are a benefit to your diet, and you have to ask another look at this from another point of view. If every morning you had a real live yogurt, then presumably you're not eating your eggs, bacon with maple syrup on or whatever you guys like in America. Um, So there are many clever ways you can improve your diet, um, perhaps in a more healthy way, and it will certainly do no harm. But at this moment in time, I would be very, very careful about any products claiming to prevent C. difficile infection. I know all the products, and I know all the companies, and I can assure you no one has any evidence that a probiotic prevents C. difficile infection. Not yet. Um, I remember a few years ago at one, one of your conferences, I spoke with a company, and I said, you, you are claiming this product prevent C. difficile infection. When I asked to see the data, it wasn't presented to me. So I, I pursued and um, persevered. And eventually they said to me, the evidence is that if you take the probiotic, you don't get C. difficile infection. So I don't want to turn this into a scientific lecture, but obviously you'll understand you can't prove a negative. If you take a probiotic and you don't get C. difficile infection, that doesn't prove the probiotic prevents C. difficile infection. All it does, it means it tells you that you didn't get C. difficile infection. And it could equally be because you drink orange juice in the morning or, you know, even you have a shot of whiskey late at night. It proves nothing. The only way it can be proven is through a proper study in animals, um, So, as of today, unfortunately, no one has been able to show, in my opinion, um, that a probiotic can prevent C. difficile infection. There is data that's suggestive, um, but nothing concrete not yet.
1: Fascinating. So, Professor Cutting, is there anything more that you would like to elaborate on diet and how it impacts the gut microbiome?
2: Um, well, of course, the, yes, I mean, everyone talks about the gut microbiome, um, it's, it's very fashionable at the moment, um, to talk about this, and there are many reasons for this, um, and it's very seductive also, um, because all of these bacteria, thousands of different types of bacteria in your guts, and they can all be doing different things, um, And those bacteria are important, um, and some of them, obviously, they play an important role in providing nutrients for our body, and it's also true that um, imbalances in the number of bacteria, the types of bacteria in our gut, may have some impact on some inflammatory diseases. Of course, C. difficile is one of those, and who knows, maybe colorectal cancer um but we have for science the community the scientific community has a long way to go before we can unravel this and of course one of the problems is that you know people in different parts of the world potentially could have different groups of bacteria in their guts it does seem that we, have, we basically have the same types, but there are variations, but this is a very complex issue, and coming back to a point I mentioned in the first session, people haven't really considered the impact of bacteria from the environments. And um, you know, 10 to the uh, 100,000 bacteria in the environments is' a lot of bacteria. And you're breathing those bacteria in every day. And as I mentioned to you, you know, um, many parts of industrialized countries, it's all concrete and tarmac. You're not aware of this. But ask yourself the question, if you're in a city or an urban environment, how much grass is there? Um, We live in a fairly sterile environment, Um, Unless, of course, you're lucky enough to live in the countryside. America has a lot of countryside, but as you know, most people live in urban environments. And we're just not exposed to bacteria in the way we used to. And um, we are now, if you like, paying for this. There's a consequence for this. Um, And I think maybe not washing your hands might be better than we think. So it might be one you know, you know one grandmother's story, which may be maybe not true after all. But um...
1: fascinating. You know I mean? Professor yeah. Cutting, we'll have to go to break. So, at this time, we're going to pause for a commercial break. We'll return to continue discussing Cephalotile with our guest, Professor Simon Cutting. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages.
0: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks. Because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly. You need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? The c diff Foundation offers global community support sessions. c diff can affect anyone, at any age, at any location in the world. Receive support from topic experts sharing information on nutrition, mental health, c difficile prevention, treatments, and environmental safety. Get answers to your questions. You're not alone. Support is just a phone call or mouse click away. To register for a session, call the C-Diff Foundation at 919-201-1512 or visit us on the web at cdifffoundation.org. To help support the C-Diff Foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate or call toll free 1-844-4C-Diff. That's 1-844-367-2343. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Caralla.
1: This is your guest host today, Scott Battles. Welcome back to C. diff, spores, and more with our guest, Professor Simon Cutting, joining us today to discuss C. Difficile. Welcome back, Professor Cutting. Today, before we close the program, would you like to review key points of today's broadcast? Um, just, you know, the things that, you know, people really need to remember, you know, moving forward, especially with COVID-19. And, um, you know, there's so much information out there that I think it, you know, actually befuddles the average person. Yes. Um, well,
2: C. difficile um, is a disease which, of course, is a serious problem in America, the United States. Um, it is present in Europe. Um, for one reason or another, we've been able to control it. Um, we're keeping it at bay. But in the United States, it seems to be still a problem. Um, and I would put it to you that the, the underlying reason is because of your lifestyle. Our lifestyle. Um, It's a lifestyle everyone wants, so don't feel guilty about this. We all want it. Um, But there is a penalty, and the penalty is we are living in a super clean environment now. We're not aware of it. It's not immediately obvious. Maybe until someone like I have, you actually say it, and you... Whatever you do today, you'll get in your large vehicle, um, car, and you'll drive and get your burger or whatever it is for lunch. And I don't mean to offend anyone. I'm just using this to generalize. Um, And then you might eat out because everyone can afford to eat out now. This was unheard of 50 years ago. We are no longer living the way we used to. And incrementally, since World War 2 I use that as an example of a, a point, we have entered into almost an unreal world, um, and the consequence of this has been that some people, we, as a population, we've increased our susceptibility to some diseases, one of which is Clostridium difficile, and we only know it when we go to a hospital and you have surgery, whatever reason, you have to have antibiotics. Now you're at risk. Um, I can use one way, one example to summarize this. If you take baby pigs, when a pig is born, from the moment that pig is born, in its gut... It has millions of Clostridium difficile living in its guts. And every day, the number of C. difficile diminishes. It declines. And after about two to four months, you will find no C. difficile in the guts, in the feces of that pig. So you ask the question, why doesn't the pig get C. difficile infection? Well, actually, the reason is because the pig doesn't have any receptors. It's immature. The baby piglet is immature, and it hasn't learned how to um, uh, respond to the pathogen. But the point is, after two to four months, there is no C. difficile left, maybe one or two bacteria left in the gut. Now let's take humans. A baby, when it's born, is also full of C. difficile in its guts. If you were to look at the feces of a newborn baby, infant, you will find C. difficile. Like a pig, the baby also is not susceptible to disease, so you don't have C. difficile infection as a rule in newborn children. But there is a difference. For the newborn infant, it takes between 12 to 24 months for the C. difficile to be extinguished from the gut. That means after two years, all of those newborn children, infants, no longer have C. difficile. And then they mature further and they end up like us with very few C. difficile in our gut. So, coming back, we have baby piglets and baby children, newborns. But the piglet is rid of C. difficile in two to four months, but the baby, one to two years. Did you know that a newborn infant is essentially exactly the same weight as a newborn piglet? Did you also know that from a physiological point of view, A pig is almost identical to a human. That's why scientists, if they can, they always work with piglets because they are most similar to humans. So then I ask the question, what is the difference that can be causing this between a pig and a newborn child? So, unless you have a teenager or a student, you would agree with me that a piglet lives in a dirty environment, but a human lives in a squeaky clean environment. And that is the clue. The newborn humans, we live in a clean environment, so it takes us longer to get rid of the C. difficile. But a piglet, which is out there in all the dirt and farm manure, it can get rid of the C. difficile much, much faster. Now, what I've just said to you is a sort of a gross exaggeration, but everything I've said has been published. So far, people haven't really put the dots together. But it's telling us, it's teaching us, it's informing us that the environment is causing our susceptibility to C. difficile infection. So we don't have a vaccine yet. We're reliant on drugs and FMT for more serious cases. So in a perfect world, what we would all be doing is boosting our nutrition. We'd live in a much healthier environment. You would ask the question, do you really need to eat this food? Um, can you walk to school? Do you really need to be driven to school? Um, and incrementally, in theory, we would return to how it was before World War II. This is possibly um, dreaming, but as we all know, we have COVID today, and that has shocked the world because it's the first clear sign that our behavior is drastically changing, that our risk to disease, our health status C difficile is like a mini COVID in a way. It's also a response to our environment, but in that case, we we're directly causing it. COVID is something which arose because we're destroying the environment, and we we, we all know how COVID started. So basically, you know, in the short term, improving your diet, maybe eating dirtier food. Don't spend so much effort trying to. Clean food—is it really necessary? Um, Probiotics—I would be wary of, other than live products. And of course, you can actually make your own probiotics. It's not particularly difficult. Um, and yes, we um, eventually there hopefully will be a vaccine. And eventually, I believe we will have ways to prevent this disease. Um, It's just going to take a little bit longer. And um, would you like me to add any more, Scott?
1: um... No, fascinating. Uh, Very good information. Thank you so much, Professor Cutting. We'd like to share, you know, your contact information or would you like to share it or any other thoughts? Um, We'd just like to, you know... Thank you, and we're very grateful for your dedication in the medical research and development community. And at this time, the members of the C Foundation, we'd like to thank the following sponsors: Faring Pharmaceuticals for the global sponsorship of the global C Diff Awareness live stream or on-demand walks taking place on September 25th, and Series Therapeutics for being the diamond sponsor of this year's annual International C Diff Conference and Health Expo live online two-day conference taking place on November 4th and 5th. For additional details to register online, please visit the www.cdifffoundation.org. We'd also like to thank the organizations around the globe dedicated to improving healthcare through research, developing new products to address C. difficile infection prevention, treatments, protecting the gut microbiome. Clinical trials, diagnostics, and environmental safety worldwide. To learn more about diff clinical trials, please visit the www.cdiffclinicaltrials.com. Help them to help you to help others. To learn more about upcoming events and global CDF support network programming that will not you will not want to miss out on, visit the www.c-diff-foundation.org. We'll send out our get well wishes to all patients being treated for and recovering from C. diff infections and many wellness training and illnesses being combated across the globe. I'm your host, Scott Battles, with our reminder, none of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together. We wish you good health and continued healing and a good day.